Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N-Guitars.com Hey, it's 2 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon. Thanks for tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News, where we explain marijuana laws so you can change them. What's up, guys? How y'all doing? It's Wednesday. I was on mute. Thanks for tuning in. I can't believe we have another episode of Cannabis Legalization News. My name's Tom. You can reach me on Instagram at Cannabis Industry Lawyer and smash them likes and subscribe because it's Miggy420. What's up, Miggy? Do it. Do it. Yes, it is. Just Google that. You'll find me all over. Hey, how about this messed up stuff? Biden has said pot prisoners should be free. Now he's poised to send them back to prison, according to The Intercept. That is ridiculous. Biden is uh, just going to show his age because he's an old man who was born in the 30s, I believe, because he's 78, right? So uh, that means that he was born at the heyday of the indoctrination against the cannabis plant. It's too darn bad. Well, it's just it's mind boggling that even, yes, people got released early for COVID. But I mean, the, 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 the judicial system, the penal system has proven to be ineffective for like, you know, we're not we're not solving issues. We're not solving people are free. Like, I hope it's not like we free pedophiles and murderers, but like, I'm pretty sure we freed a bunch of people who cheated on our taxes or, you know, like the, the, the harmless stuff, which they're probably trying to get a second chance and trying to live their best right now. You know, uh, what an article that says uh, 4,400 people were released from federal prison to home confinement starting in April 2020 as part of the Department of Justice directive aimed to preventing the transmission of COVID-19. And, and yeah. honestly, there wasn't enough people released. Yeah, it's something else, man. And it's one of those deals where it's just talking out of both sides of their mouth. But, you know, normally the federal government allows people convicted of nonviolent crimes to serve out the last 10 percent or six months, whichever is less other sentences from home. But nope, they're sending them back. And again, prisons aren't they're not they're not reform. Right. We had Chris Martin on. You know, that's why we have recidivism. Uh, you know, there's no real uh, uh, people being given a chance or being taught to, or how to have a better chance. You know, the status of these people have been in limbo since December when the Justice Department officials from the outgoing Trump administration issued a memo stating that the people whose sentences would outlast the COVID-19 emergency order would be returned to prison. I, I just don't get it, man. I just, uh, well, again, 
these people have depended on this their whole lives. The ones that are enforced. I mean, it's ridiculous because we put up with it like on social media. And so 420 scene actually hit us up in the comments on our last show where we gave him a shout out and shout out to him again because he really knows that YouTube algorithm. Great. Um, and then I got a I got a cool grow video from Grow Planner that I shot. And so to fix one of the issues, we're going to be growing tomatoes in my basement. But that we're doing all of this because of the way that they regulate and then treat the plant. I mean, it's creepy. It, once you make something a crime, then suddenly you can just start bulldozing people's rights for decades, even without a factual basis, because you've made it a law. Well, even like right like this Internet space that you and I live in, been in for years. And, you know, the shadow ban. I mean, like when people use the word shadow ban, I don't think they know what they're talking about most of the time. You know, I just really- think they're not popular. <laughs> <laughs> or you know your opinion is not popular whatever the case yeah. is but i mean literally if you go to marijuana search you know type in marijuana into the facebook search engine it'll give you Nobody. a warning well it yeah. gives you a warning first it says are you sure you want to go forward are you sure you want to find out the results and then it shows you nothing still like i did i just don't get it like, like it's, yeah it's still ineffective. yeah but that's the world we live in. And so one of the things that, you know, I wake up to uh, four videos were uh, automatically termed 18 plus. And these were like not risque videos at all. There might have been some 420 somewhere bumpers, but we weren't smoking during the videos. We weren't giving names and prices like we have in some that have gotten flagged. They were let me I can pull up the ones that got flagged and go over like the headlines of them. But, yeah, tell them more about this Biden fiasco while I pull that up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, this is unfortunate. I know one one of these prisoners, Diana Marquez, is she's in there for cannabis or was in prison for cannabis, but now it's been released. Diana has spent the last 14 months going on long walks, cooking with her daughter and getting to know her grandson all with an ankle bracelet strapped to her leg. She served 16 years of a 30-year sentence for a marijuana conspiracy, which she played a supporting role. You know, most people will say, I do regret, you know, they're going to they're gonna have a Mia Copa, but they shouldn't. <laughs> you know, they shouldn't feel bad for, like, I broke the law. Did I feel bad? No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't feel bad because the law was bad. Right. The law was bad. It was just kind of like uh, all the homosexuals in Texas before uh, Lawrence v. Texas in 2003. They were all committing crimes. Yeah. That doesn't mean they were wrong. It means the law was wrong. But, yeah. you know, this is when I get my uh, YouTube strikes. They all happen way late at night. So like 3 a.m. Central Time through uh, 4.44 a.m. Central Time. So Google knows that we have a cannabis channel and they scrape it to see if there's anything that doesn't work. And so here's one uh, craft grower deficiency notice webinar, how to respond to a 10 day notice. So just helping people out. Now, granted, if you're going to apply for a craft grower's license, you must be 21. So there, they, they, somebody who's less than 18, real, well, we marked that our channel's not for children, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, that, that was, that's so uh, like not harmful. Okay. This one, terpenes are not trichomes. That got hit 18 yeah. plus. Yeah. Well, well, you know, my even my my personal channel, my my, my personal small Miggy channel, when we use for the side broadcast, you know, in case this one gets flagged with only 150 followers, I had an, an unlisted video that got flagged, unlisted. Like I totally forgot I made it, posted it. You know, I was gonna go, like, oh, I'll make it out later, shape it, whatever. It was just me weighing an eighth. It was what it is an eighth, and I, you know, dump well, it on the scale. I mean, yeah, the flower might have burned their eyes. I don't know what. Well, that's why I'm growing tomatoes. And so like I'm going to do and it's a really sweet light, the grow planner. It doesn't have any buttons. And so like you just plug it in and then you download an app and then your phone controls the light. It's cool as hell. And so like you can dial in the um, the automations for your light cycles, your intensity. 
it's cool, but uh, I can't grow weed with it because otherwise it's like, and I have a video from last October that I didn't cut that I can cut and edit like uh, where I'm doing a trim challenge and I have hand trimming and then a bull trimmer. Uh, okay. If I do that, cut it, post it. How long is it going to be before that sucker gets uh, flagged? Cause I'm showing uh, trimming cannabis. Well, it sucks. You're going to have to trim tomatoes or, or tobacco, but yeah, I mean, by no, default you trim videos, I mean, or like, just be like, Hey, you know, don't forget to subscribe and go to the channel because a lot of the videos that we have don't get circulated. Well, I, I think we're going to make those ones members only too. But, uh, the, you know, the other thing too, I mean, this, uh, but you're right. As far as like the perception of the bad law and they, they just go with like, why do we even have to like consider sending these people back to prison? You know, like, uh, so, so Marquez, she's so stressed out that, you know, hair is coming out of her hair. Uh, uh, Kevin Ring, president of Families Against Mandatory Minim- Minimums, which is a great organization, lobbies for more humane sentences and treatment behind bars. They wake up every day terrified of going back to prison. I, I couldn't imagine that, dude. You know, uh, as personal candidate for weed, too. It's not like, what did you do? I murdered somebody. No, what'd you do? I uh, had a joint. Yeah. Of weed. Well, again, let's not let's just hope we weren't releasing pedos and murderers. Like I, there are bad people out there. Let's uh, let's let's go with that. They're there. Yeah. You know, some of them cannabis consumers. They deserve to be inside. But for the most part, you know, these petty crimes and and, and life lessons that are you know we learn, uh, you fuck up, you get caught or whatever. Uh, most of the time, you don't deserve to have your life taken away for that. You know, nope. especially as we have now, we're we're getting into like regulations. Right. So I got to really get excited at this next topic. You know, when there's a what I do for a living and I know we don't talk about it, but I'll work in weights and measures. I I do a measurement for uh, and I've been doing it for over 10 years now, Uh, over 20, if you include my military time. But, uh, you know, uh, the thing is with NIST and and accreditation, this is all part of like manufacturing. Uh, It's all part of our uh our goods, our manufactured goods, every goods has the checks and balances, you know, somewhere in the back scene. And uh, we have this, uh, what is it? The uh, AOAC, uh, Cannabis Analytical Science Program, is a forum where the science of hemp and cannabis analysis can be discussed and cannabis standard and methods developed. Association of Agriculture Chemists. So right. I came across these guys uh, uh, when I was listening to this podcast that does this whole website right here. Uh, this is a HULA is an accrediting body, one of the accrediting bodies that we abide by in this world. And they have a podcast. I mean, this is, again, uh, like is described for all the sexy knowledge that you get out of here. But it's it's this is the foundation of who we are. And this is like why people need to go out and vote and do things. Mm-hmm. You know, here in King County, uh, we just had an election. We've only had 17 percent out show up. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like you should have given away free Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, the, and this stuff, the AOAC's uh, protocols that are going to be coming up so they can have forms and standards, that's built into the federal legalization, the GMP certification for the manufacturer. Yeah. So if you want to grow, if you're going to get a grower's license, don't forget to build it to GMP certs. If you're going to get an infuser's license or an extraction or a, a processor, you should be asking yourself, and if you're sitting on one, how can I be GMP certified? Because when it goes federally legal, you need a new license from the feds and that's one of the requirements 
and, and this is what I do. I, I always say lab regulation is plant regulation. It's, it's because the all things forms will be medically medicinally in Texas anytime soon. They're still strict. Yeah, they're still strict. With, you know, they slowly eased up, but yeah, they have Delta eight. That's the best you got right now. And that Delta eight stuff might get shut down in a bit, but like Texas is changing. And if Texas is like, uh, like Oklahoma, you know, free markets, that'd be great. But, uh, and there's still a lot of law enforcement that, does not understand the plant. And so like if law enforcement is one of the main influencers on your cannabis laws, yikes. But um, I wonder what, so like, you know, talking about how here in uh, liberal paradise, you know, we had 17% turnout. I wonder what the turnout is in Texas. I mean, honestly, this is what is needed. If you, you know, you need to get out the Ted Cruz's and all the other crazy yahoos down there that, you know, what is the portion population? Encourage other people to show up and vote because this surprisingly is what makes a difference. Yep. Yeah, it is. It's the people that actually show up. But I love that this uh, the cannabis analytical science program is founded and it's going to be not just for cannabis, but also hemp. And it's to provide the consensus driven standards and methods to promote accuracy and label potency claims and address public safety issues such as pathogens and residual solvents. That's one of the reasons why, you know, a guy like Miggy is going to come out and, and uh, audit your systems to ensure that they're GMP or CASP certified. When we were doing our craft growers license, we would talk about various standards. Some are from Greenflower Media, the focus ones, for example. Yeah. And so we'd say we're going to incorporate focus. And then there's the ASTM 39 or something. There are standards in the cannabis industry right now. But if the federal government's saying that it's going to be GMP, that's really where they're pushing it. Let's get on that train because yeah. every license holder, you can either lose your license or you can get an exemption. But eh, I don't know. You're going to get that federal exemption. It's not like you get a federal exemption from food processing laws, you know. Well, and again, I've been supporting uh, the manufacturing industry for 10 years, uh, metrology over again for 20. So uh, it, it, it's the checks and balances, man. It's it, What I do is when you go to the store and you buy a pound of cheese, you know it's a pound. You know, like, and the same thing with like THC and, and, and you want to know the consistency. You know, this is the biggest issue we have in multi-states. You know, when when everybody says and shooting for these high THC numbers, it's all they're all full. of. It's ads. all full of BS. Yeah, I, I would say Washington states are more uh, fair or honest simply because they've been doing the tests for longer and they have a very wide array of operators. So there's no incentive for the uh, tester to lie. But like wow. in Illinois, where there's like 10 operators and there's like 10 different labs. And if you don't do what Cresco says, they just ain't going to give you no more business. And there goes your business. Well, maybe uh, there was a little bit less in that weight chamber than what we said. And suddenly your THC's through the roof. No, that happened here. That that has happened here. We've had really have gotten caught for fudging numbers you know for what was given in and wow. it's it's still the, the the game of like these these uh uh producers they want the highest teach they want the bullshit numbers like that's that's what's also doing a disservice to the the end user right this is why i don't pay attention to like so much the tac but what it smells because again you, you could be getting fluffy numbers uh, uh it doesn't tell the whole story of the plant people are still you know, they're not looking at it outside the box, essentially. You know, you got to look at the bigger picture of the thing and not just like just the THC, bro, because, you know, how does it affect you? What are you doing with it? How? Why do you use it? You know, cannabis is an amazing plant that back in my day was you get what you get and, and that's what you got. 
you know, now we can be selective. We can chase terpenes. We can chase profiles. It's a, it's an amazing thing now. Uh, like with my asthma, uh, the, 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 the gassy ones are the ones that make me feel really better uh, hmm. lately. Yeah. So it all depends, man. But yeah, this is going to be a great, this body, they adhere to the A2LA, uh, 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 like checks and balances. So it's going to be a very, I believe the, the foundation for the future of policy in, in, in science when it comes to cannabis, because right now currently the there's five AOAC working groups are developing standards for analytical methodology, the microbiological contaminants, the chemical contaminants, the working group on cannabinoids and consumables, the training and education work group. Uh, then that uh, working group will identify all the training and education need of the cannabis community and seek opportunities to collaborate with other training and education programs. And then on, finally, the proficiency testing working group, which will identify proficiency testing needs of the cannabis community. And this is a I think that, that is probably one of the more important ones, because this will help enable knowing the what I'm testing for 25% THC in California is going to be the same 25% in, in Oklahoma. And, and, you know, cause that's what we want. Consistency. Right. That's what we need. We don't want fudge numbers. We want the numbers to be accurate. And, and so that's one of the deals. Whenever I see flour that tests over 28, 29%, I'm like, mm-hmm. how many labs did you have to go to to get that number? For real though, I mean, that's the thing though, and, and and the labs they're not supposed to be selling the product of numbers. The labs are supposed to be a matter of quality. There's there's and that's why I love what I do is because it's not rocket science. You know, if you're, I've worked with the worst. I've done some of the worst where where the checks and balances aren't so good, and also I've been working with the best, and I know what is expected and and what I can give. And so, with that going to the cannabis again, every job just like a lawyer. It's all lateral. You can find a position in the cannabis world that's going to, you know, whatever you're doing in regular world can be a, a associated with cannabis. And I'm just really excited about the checks and balances in the, in the background. This is the sexy stuff. Oh, yeah. All the accreditation and. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, the standards and processes will also then help uh, create standards for at least cultivation. But I don't want to have too many standards for cultivation simply because I think that could be uh, quelling of uh, creativity and yeah. uh, innovation. But that doesn't the GMP certification doesn't mean that you're going to do like deep water culture only. You know, no. or it, it just means that the, the way that you're facility was built had uh, you know certain gmp certain good manufacturing practices that's it all of, all of the accreditations and uh the checks and balances are about what you are what it's about the paperwork what you're doing and then if you're applying your processes and then also looking at the your staff and, and looking at the training you're providing your staff and then that's the big one is like your, your staff has to do a performance as far as like hey show us what you do and really if you're doing it on a daily and if it's a normal thing that you do day to day it's not bad right these mm -hmm. people are there to help you not like ding you and like you're doing it wrong you are right. doing chromatography wrong no yeah, like, yeah what was that place that we went to in seattle that had that great uh qa department that was a, a, a green revolution Green Revolution, yeah. You guys are going to want to stay tuned because we have some stuff from Green Revolution coming on about branding your cannabis brand. And they have a, a wonderful, simple, elegant, and pure way to brand it. It's pretty darn sweet. So do tune into that. We'll be uploading it here. I, I'm not sure when Lauren's got that in the hopper, but she's got it coming up. And so we're going to be dripping some content for you guys over the next few days. That was really nice. And it's crazy, too, how – and I loved how they were very proprietary about, like, their, their nano process and whatnot. I want some of those pre-rolls. Rolls, man. Oh, <laughs> those pre rolls look good. 
<laughs> that was that was a brilliant, and I, I still have to go out and buy one because there was a special cone that they had uh, yeah. for for the clogging. So I really do want to um, experience it, but I do have to testify that their um, cream that they gave us uh-huh. has really helped me. Oh, good, yeah. good, and I I really liked how these guys had these cool pre rolls, and on the end they. Uh, had a keef tip and so like the key or like key for like you know some some bubble hash that's in, in uh, crystalline format so that it would it would light the entire um joint so you don't get any runs oh, oh yeah oh you know what you might get uh on a run here right now it's 420 somewhere somebody better so better <laughs> but yeah i'm just really excited about the the checks and balances and things that are are coming up uh we got a 420 bumper roll call holy shit we got people that threw money at us thank you we do somebody uh, just asked us a question for five bones and so you know big shout out to that guy that just asked a question and then what are the other new members because we have some people helping uh you and you at home legalize cannabis we got thomas love henrovic robert eaton Adam Creighton, Jean Lariva, William Long, Matthew Dwyer, Chuck Love, Troy Martin. Hey, Lou. Uh, Scruffy Nerf Herders. I think I've heard of that before. PBB Junkie, Montana Entertainment, Fred Vidring, DC Robinson, Ernie. You got a Miggy story. Thank you. Daniel M. Bergen Jr., Digital Revolution, Fisher of Men, and Sergio S., Right on. Thank you. And then that was Mike O show who threw us the five bones and asked a question about Texas. And then for the month of July, we raised $114.44 for cannabis prisoners sitting behind bars unjustly for their commissary. And we'll be making a donation uh, to freedomgrowforever.org. So if you guys want to give back to some people that are sitting in jail uh, for weed and to help them be able to stay out of the mess hall for or what was that? The one that Sparky hated, Sparky Rose. Shout out to him. It's super critical uh, in Chicago when he was serving his joint after he had gotten busted uh, at Harborside. I want to say that he said the taquito. No, uh, enchiladas. No. What's that? Uh, tamale day. Oh, oh evidently yeah. the tamales in prison there were terrible. But it, the thing about prison too is everything costs. Matter of fact, I just heard from Lance Glore uh, via text. There's a system where you can email and then it texts me. Uh, but all that costs. Any minute he does an email, anytime he he uh, toiletries, it's ridiculous. They, the, it costs to just be a normal human being behind bars. It's ridiculous. That's why before I get arrested, I always start an online marketing and money making scheme so that when I'm behind j- bars, I can be like. Don't forget to press buy.com. I've only got to send one email today. Hopefully that'll pay for some uh, some toilet paper. I'm getting backed up. Dude, uh, that or toothpaste. I mean, just humanity. It's, it's, it's effed up how we treat. And it, it was, irony, too, is like this whole present uh, um, with, the, with the coup people bullshit. And they're all trying to uh, uh, like prison's rough. Like, yeah. what did you get? <laughs> Try being a pot prisoner for like right. 10 years. Right. You guys over you guys storm the Capitol uh, because you thought somebody told you to that had won the election because he said it. Um, I want all of those people to look up gaslighting in the dictionary, and then I want them to collectively gaslight us while they don't believe it. It's going to be amazing. But uh, a new report links marijuana legalization to Colorado's high home prices, according to the Denver Channel. 
As home continued to increase throughout Colorado, a new study by Cleaver Real Estate found a link between marijuana legalization and the housing market. Shock face. Shock face. Well, I, I tell you, as a, somebody who's, you know how much we're trying to unload a house for in Peoria, Illinois, in a disproportionately impacted area in Peoria, Illinois, we spent $15,000 in the house, completely redid the everything on the inside. You know how much we can't get for it? $72,000, not one offer. That's the price of a Rules closet. Peoria, you people. Yeah. <laughs> That's a close closet in Seattle, though. But again, we talked about the prices before, right? Like, the prices here are so high for the housing. Part of it's the the, the digital bros, but the other part is cannabis. It, the, the marijuana has helped build our economy. Uh, clever real estate researcher and writer uh, Michelle uh, Delgado said, there are a few contributing factors that impact these numbers. Like what, money? Yeah. <laughs> First, new industries attract more jobs and employees looking for homes. Go figure. Then, of course, tax revenue. These laws that are legalizing marijuana industry bring in billions of dollars across the country in tax revenue. Hmm. What's that statistical analysis term? Uh, confluencers, confounding factors. Is that it? Is it confounders? Anybody who understands statistical analysis of what I'm talking about who has heard it in the last, like, I don't know, College was over 20 years ago now. So uh, it's one of those things where uh, the data could be screwed because of something else. Uh, and, and I'm wondering if all the people moving to Colorado had more to do with the mountains and less to do with weed. Well, I think a good one to be watched will be um, uh, Oklahoma. You know, uh, they're having a huge industry spike uh, events. I got a friend over there who's kind of uh, covering how the evolution of them happening. It is what Washington was. It was the Wild West. John Maddox uh, is in Oklahoma now. Uh, are yeah. you seeing property values go up there? Uh, we just wanted to see your whatever you think, man, because I've yeah. been following us forever. No, good. Yeah, he wants to overgrow the world, too. But yes, uh, I, I would imagine they're going to be seeing revenues that are increasing and, and you know, their schools are going to be getting better. I love that. I love publish. Uh, I love funding schools from something other than property values, because property values to fund public schools just reward the rich. And so that's one of the if the schools were better in that seventy two thousand uh, dollar beautiful house that you could have if you make us an offer, uh, if the schools were better. I'm sure it would have not be $72,000. It'd be over a hundred, but no, you know, and so it's one of those issues. No, it, it, it is. And, and then it's unfortunate, but Hey, uh, along the financial dumbasses, uh, this California city rejected marijuana. Now cannabis is an official tourism draw. Uh, what? This is the same Out of place that, uh, Luke Scarsmoza was, uh, uh Modesto. That's yeah. where uh, Beck's dog comes from. Oh, hey. So marijuana legalization came slowly to Modesto, California, a city of about 212,000 in the state's Central Valley, a vast flat expanse full of fields and farms intersected by freeways, new track homes, and values hard of the right state's coastal cities. So, yeah, for years, medical, medical marijuana dispensary were banned in Stanislaus County, of which Modesto was the seat. I don't even say that twice. Yeah, 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 I don't have to. I don't have to. That's fine. Uh, 2006 drug enforcement MH3 raid on a medical marijuana search in city limits that was obeying state law and paying state sales tax that landed both co-owners in federal prison set the tone. One of the former owners, Luke Scarmozo, is still in prison. And that's the one that I talked about before that uh, he made that video, he made a rap video and said, fuck the Fed. And I, I, I just thought it was well 
done video, like song mm-hmm. and hip hop. Uh, he could have been up and coming, but you know, uh, you poked the bear, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, and you poked the bear before the bear was defunded. And yeah. so, like, now you can poke the bear. And so, like, fuck the DEA uh, would be way easier to say now, especially if you're hiding behind a legitimate medical cannabis license, because then you could say, no, no, Mr. DEA man, there is no money for you to pursue this. Well, There's no federal it. money. I'm going to have to file something at a court of law so that you you leave me alone. Uh, and that's the Macintosh case out of the Ninth District in 2016. It is actually a defense. And so there shouldn't be any DEA raids on anybody that has a license. But uh, prohibition <laughs> overall, it just enables that bad behavior, that bad policing, that bad uh, 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 uh judgment of like right and wrong like it's ridiculous that they i mean there was a certain there's a certain point okay let's say it today 2021 uh august 4th this is the day that cops you should get your shit together and realize that arresting and prosecuting people for, for pot is just heinous and wrong it, it, it's 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 arbitrary yep. and, and, and 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 there's no good being served by it no you know but they uh that's not how they think, see things uh yeah. go show a hippie who's boss day you know <laughs> national arrest the black guy day um these are all terrible days that may have been a thing in our very prejudiced past so like it was just something else i mean the uh the john oliver show that he just did over the past weekend on the urban housing development and the systematic exclusion of anybody who wasn't white from public benefits that created wealth that they were just not allowed to get because they were a different co- it's just shocking and that we still have this you know, federal marijuana policy from that same time period just terrible just absolutely terrible well and, and and to consider that a lot of these heinous things that in our past happen within our lifetime like yeah. or grandparents lifetimes like living people joe biden oh, joe God. biden yeah. Like, I, uh, I'm not sure exactly what year he was born, but I want to say it was like 1938. So, like, he would have actually been born in the first year of the federal prohibition. But Oh, no, he might have thought that it turned you into a, a bat and that well, was messed up that, it, you know, it made white women want black men. I mean, no, he was actually born in 42. And so because he was born in 42, five years into cannabis prohibition, this old man who's now the president of the United States was born, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, and, and so you, you gotta imagine the thinking. I mean, uh, he he hopefully has evolved, right? I mean, you're now in charge, but uh, I don't know. So, but yeah, back to the Manessa. Uh, Manessa's tourism board started kicking around ideas to draw visitors to the area because honestly, there ain't shit in Modesto because they locked up cannabis consumers, awkwardly located sort of near the Interstate Five freeway connecting Los Angeles to the Bay Area as a well. As, as well as the main route from the Bay Area to Yosemite National Park, but not directly on either. About a year ago, after tourism dried up during COVID-2019. So they're tossing around uh, canvas. Judging by the city's books, promoting weed was the smartest move. About 40% of the customer base at the city's roughly two, two dozen canvas dispensaries are from out of town. And I can get, sure. I can help you get one of these licenses that are going to be coming up. But look at what Modesto is doing. This is setting up for a clear competitive licensing where the people that have said no, 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 now will be the ones that are grading who has the best application. And they'll be like, oh, he wins. That guy? Isn't that the governor's brother? Oops. Oh, 
Yeah. But and, and unfortunately, there is corruption throughout this until and I think it's going to be when it's federally uh, legal. I think a lot of the fiefdom corruption is going to be it's just going to be a bigger form of corruption. But I think there'll be more ways to to attack it. Right. Like right now, if we were Washington State, we're powerless against this one body. Uh, you know, there's certain people with juice that can make influence. Right. That's why you have these orgs and alliances. But uh, for the most part, they answer to the executive branch and the executive branch is not paying attention to them, <laughs> at least here. And I imagine in other states, it's probably the same factor, too. But I think that your state should also defund the police from enforcing marijuana laws. That'd be hilarious. But, you know, we'll, we'll deal with that at a later date. Um, so, yeah, man, it seems that they are going to be passing it. Modeled on similar promotional schemes from another county for local beer, wine and coffee industries. Modesto's Motown Canapass stops a little short of offering deals at local dispensaries in the same way a town might promote a winery. Let's go on a weed tour in Modesto. I was going to try to do that in Sonoma, I really need to book my California Croptoberfest uh, party uh, soon so that I can go do that and, and say hey to the guys in the Gangier and hopefully nice. pass that test while I'm just stoned to the bejesus out of it and get that certification. Just make sure you have your pinky out when you uh, do all the... Uh... Oh, no, yeah. You have to smoke all of your joints with a very fine roach clip. Um <laughs> and, and then you're rating everything and just i'm judging everything yeah just make sure that roach clip has a peacock feather on it what's the peacock feather for oh it's just an old hippie shit i grew up in southern california with like but lots of roaches and uh skateboarding and surfing uh, mm-hmm. that was my childhood but hey uh connecticut marijuana taxes projected to reach 73 million in the fifth year of sales cities and towns would collect 18 million in total wow Wow. Yep. Uh, possession of recreational per, uh, marijuana became legal on July 1st in Connecticut. However, uh, retail sales are not expected to begin until uh, approximately a year from now in mid 2022. There should be a uh, license opportunity in Connecticut this fall. So don't forget to get in touch with us over at CannabisIndustryLawyer.com about it. Connecticut has a very interesting method, and I'm going to be doing a video here shortly when my uh, plate gets a little bit clearer uh, on the the Connecticut license scheme and structure simply because the way that they're doing it there, I really like uh, because they've really reduced the cost of the barriers to entry by having the lottery first. And then you got to go get the expensive application as opposed to making everybody have the expensive application to access the lottery. Do you know, so I'm trying to look and, and it's not mentioned in the article, but what their percentage of sales tax is. Uh, Eddie Spaghetti asked if I like Teddy Spaghetti. I forget if I you went too fast, but it asked about the 25% tax. And then, I hate it, man. 25% yeah. is ridiculous. Like how many other products have that? And let alone the people in the industry don't even get the chance to use the, the tax breaks that are given to other regular businesses. Like this, we live in a messed up quandary of like, it's more give than take for the cannabis right. people. It's unfortunate. 20% tax in Connecticut, just about the same as Massachusetts. But uh, the governor said that Connecticut's marijuana taxes may be about 4% lower than neighboring New York's. However, that doesn't mean that we're done with the taxes. That's just the 20% going to the state. Don't forget the 6.35% sales tax. In addition to a 3%, I like to call it the uh, the sprinkles or the cherry on top tax. 
that the municipality gets to also put on your grams when you are buying them and you are not growing them. Uh, so there you go. It's that's a lot of tax right there. And that's before the United States comes in with another 25 percent. Yeah. And I, I just unfortunately, I, I just hate how we have this high tax rate. We start off with this high tax rate for this plant that was uh, federally illegal. So we have to mark it up high because it must be dangerous. And yet the, the states are going to get money greedy. You know, they're not going to want to lower the tax later for federal legalization. So I don't know where the give take is going to happen, but I, they have to. Yeah. The money draw. The, you have to look at the money flow, though. And so it's uh, 60% of this money in Connecticut is supposed to go to social equity initiatives that are going to be helping communities harmed most by the federal drug war, up from 55% in the original bill. 25% of that goes to Prevention and Recovery Services Fund for mental health, up from 15% in the bill. Uh, so another 25% for, you know, like 25% is for the addiction and drug treatment. And then 15% to the General Administration Fund, because that's what it does. Uh, what do you think about that? Does Washington State, because they have a terrible heroin problem there. Uh, well, at least in Seattle they do. Uh, at least yeah. that's what it is. If you walk around in downtown Seattle, it appears that way. Uh, <laughs> you mean all the people saying. nodding off at bus stops? Yeah, I mean, just saying. We, and we, so, yeah. uh, how much of the Seattle tax dollar is going to help that guy, dude? And that's the, that's the thing. We, we this circle jerk of a state. We're we're so progressive and so in touch with our feelings that it's like. We're going to, have to keep throwing money at these studies, right? We're going to keep throwing all this money. But the, the thing is, this is nothing new. This is, you know, I, like I told you, you know, the word uh, uh, skid row comes from Seattle, right? There's, but big cities, big cities have a big issue when it comes to mental health and, and, and recidivism and, and chances for people. You know, uh, I don't know. I'm told during the Reagan era is when I stopped, right? I'm told we used to dump all this money into mental health and whatnot. And then, you know, this is a 40 year problem where it just escalates to now to the point where we're leaving our people hanging. And that's what I see in the cities. And that's what the money, we have so much money coming in and half of the shit just goes to ads for don't do cannabis and be pregnant. Don't do <laughs> cannabis or be pregnant. You know what I mean? Like, like shit like that. I mean, like it's, it's just like, great. Great. Yeah. Or, or not all friends are getting high or you would play air guitar. I mean, just the dumbest shit to like, like, I, I mean, we're not treating people like adults. That's no, no. I, I do like that. CA normal a cannabis saves the world says a member of this ch uh, channel. So shout out to him or her shout out to that channel. Uh, we're trying to get uh, taxes lowered from here in the cannabis sales next year is after failing this year to get medical taxes removed. Uh, taxes will always probably be the most expensive ingredient in cannabis. But yeah. that's all right, because if you see that money go into something that's helping the, the community, that's a good thing, because there's so many tax dollars that are spent on bombs and bullshit. And, and so to see that money go back into where like the community's most injured is is really refreshing. I mean, it, it should go to the infrastructure. I, that's the problem here. Like I said, our body answers to the executive branch and and no one knows where this money's going through. Like there's no accountability right now. And that's the unfortunate part. I just think there are more people, um, more good can be done with it, right? Like we're already mm -hmm. living high in the hog, but let's make it better. Wow. Yeah. 
it's that's one of the, that's why we're here. That's why we're here to make it to make it just a little bit better. And uh, it's going to get a little bit better in Connecticut, but there will be definitely uh, a lottery going on, and somebody's going to strike it rich. They've limited it to two hundred and nope twenty five thousand people per dispensary, and so that comes out to about three hundred nope. 120, I want to say, because there's approximately 3 million people in Connecticut. So there'll be 120 dispos there. So 3 million. I can't wait till they stop limiting licenses. Like, like, are, are there limited alcohol licenses? Are there limited tobacco licenses? Well, you know, when you're in the business of peddling access to these licenses, uh, I don't care if there's more. I would prefer if there's more. I'd have more business. I'd have more clients that need help operating their their cannabis licenses. It'd be fantastic. But um, first, you have to get them licensed. And so uh, I can only do so many. And that's one of the reasons why I like how Connecticut's kind of flipped the script on it. And so you're going to see the license lottery happen and then a provisional licensing period where then they hire a guy like me and I go, this is going to be a brick. Fortunately, instead of having two months to write it, I have 12 months to write it. Well, and you're also in a good position, too, because like I was saying with the accreditations and, and whatnot, there are already structures out there that cannabis will have to conform to. There's already business models and processes that things will have to be applied to. And then on your side of like with like the business side, like, you know, it says lawyer, but you're a business lawyer, essentially, right? With contracts. No, and deals. Yeah. Not, a, not, legal, not law, though. You're not you're like if I got in trouble with weed, you, you have a guy you call, but mm. You know, I'm, I'm more of an entrepreneur than a lawyer. And so like I'm a business owner that happens to have a law degree and sell those services. Uh, that's kind of how I see it. But then also once you get into this industry, there's a lot of the services that are being sold that are just knowledge and skill services as opposed to legal analysis services. And so like a legal analysis service might be, what does this contract mean? And then defend my rights on it. So like, I'm going to read a contract, write a demand letter, write a litigation, uh, you know, complaint, uh, file a lawsuit, uh, go into depositions. That's lawyering. Um, me reading a yeah, but then okay, th- th- this is the difference. I read a business contract and then I sit down with a business owner and go, "You have any fucking idea what the hell's going to happen once this guy figures that out and that guy goes there? They're going to take this good." And then so like that's business consulting. I'm just mm-hmm. telling him what's probably going to be happening based on the facts that he gave me. Right. And then once I need to start papering that and so all right, now we're going to hang this guy out to dry, and then we're going to be able to you know have some leverage as we call it you know it's yeah well as i'm saying like like your background though with the banking stuff enables you to like apply that to business with the the canvas guys so right you know and, then, and i've been a straight hustler since law school this is my uh, first business and I, I i shot it down but then this was the one that i wrote those books under oh yeah no, i remember and, and you had the uh, the altered name when i thought i knew two white guys that look like, like I know two white guys that look like that. Yeah, they're in cornfields or something. Yeah. Hey, want some name that strain? Let's play name that strain. Ooh, purple. That one's definitely got some purpling on it. And uh, if you guys are listening at home or just tuning in. Uh, on the internet, you're you're seeing if you're watching a uh, beautiful purple hues. Uh, if you're listening, purpling is a word. It means the verb of turning the color purple. Hmm. Did not know that. I made it up, but I said it like it was real, and so people no, might believe it. Yeah, Donald Trump did this all the time. He was he was living in a, a land of make believe, saying things as if he thought he was real, but really, that's some purpling right there. Your semites. Um, mm-hmm. 
No, I love it. It's not a. It's like the the, the shape of the nug is not perfect, like symmetry wise. It's like a weird, bulky. Um, but I imagine dense, like a like a bunch of dense nugs tied together. You could break that up, and it'll be nice little balls falling off. Yeah, but it's not foxtailing. It's like more of a a, a dense uh, or style of a nugget, and it does have some really great bracts that are just covered in trichromes that are uh, more of a minty or even uh, lime green. But then at the top nuggets of it, it gets into the purples. So uh, there's and it looks. Because it's a the shape of the nug is not uh, like a golf ball. Uh, it's more it, it it has a globular set structure to it, but you can see like nooks and crannies. So it's a fairly large nugget, uh, and so you can tell it was hand trimmed. It's uh, no. Do you see? I don't see any sugar leaves. I do not. Maybe the, some of that purpling at the top, maybe, but like that's almost it's nice. I mean, it adds texture to it. I can tell you, she was a high times winner that one time. <laughs> high times winner back when that meant something. Back in 2006, high time strain of the year. That's the hint. Now we're going to talk about Louisiana marijuana discriminalization officially taking effect as a lawmaker launches an awareness campaign, according to the Marijuana Moment. Nice. Marijuana decriminalization took effect in Louisiana on Sunday, and advocates and lawmakers are working to ensure the residents know what they can and cannot do with without going to jail under the new law. Under the new law, possession of up to 14 grams of cannabis is now punishable by a $100 fine without the threat of jail time sweet so only grow plants that are a half ounce or less or or just walk around with a half an ounce and then you know like three-eighths you know you're going to be like the mad hatter was that what his uh fraction was in in, in alice in wonderland was the three-eighths i don't know uh it could also be like a drill bit uh but you know if you just make sure that you're only rolling with 10 grams you're going to be good in um well, it's 10 grams and 100 bucks. 10 grams and 100 bucks. And if you have that 100 bucks rolled up in the 10 grams, you might not have to do any paperwork with it. <laughs> just, just, I'm, I'm over this shit here. Take this. Yeah. Well, we have a public fine out here in uh, Seattle for public smoking sometimes. Oh, I just I, figured the cop would have been like, I didn't see nothing. I've only seen it enforced one time, and it was the dumbest yeah. thing. We have this weird – well, overall, all our festivals are weird. But, like, these kids were hula-hooping and enjoying their own time. And my, my wife even took a picture of them because uh, uh, the cop was you – know, I think he was just giving a, a ticket, which is like $25, mm-hmm. some shit. But ridiculous, though. Hey, but uh, Wyoming Marijuana Incrimination and Medical Cannabis Initiatives Clear First 2022 Battle Ballot Hurdle Marijuana Moment. Thank you. Wyoming's going to be a good place to smoke weed. I bet. I bet. Wyoming decriminalization and medical cannabis initiative. Clear first 2022 ballot hurdle because all those wealthy uh, liberals in Jackson Hole are like, hey, I don't want to get arrested. Screw that. And shout out to Rick Ashcroft, who just guessed L.A. Confidential. L.A. Confidential was that. I wonder if he looked it up on uh, from the hint, but it was the 2006 high time strain of the year. L.A. Confidential is a child of DNA genetic seeds and a cross of O.G. Laafi and pure land. Pardon me on that one. Landrace Afghani Indica, uh, which beautiful. I think I wish that I could go buy some Afghani Landrace and Indica. I would do it. Oh, yeah. But I don't think I'd be able to find it. I'd be able to find crosses and all sorts of knickknacks, but probably not that. Did, do you know if Strain Hunters ever found it? Oh, I'm sure they have. I mean, like, I remember it was one of the first uh, names of stuff that I got when I was in college. Mm. 
it's so good. Uh, It's crazy how, like, when you were in college and when I was younger, we had lore that was spoken to us and we understood where it came from. But it hasn't been until like recent years where confirmation of like this is this plant's been in China and Afghanistan for thousands of years. You know, like it's historically documented. You know, but uh, um, yeah, a pair of Wyoming marijuana reform initiatives have cleared an initial hurdle. This is gonna be good. Uh, I've been to Casper. That's gonna be a great spot to smoke some weed. Oh, uh, this is why Wyoming's got them libertarians, and the Libertarian Party Party and State Rep Marshall Burt partnered with advocates to unveil the initial drafts of the proposal in June. The campaign, which is also being supported by Wyoming Normal, came after state lawmakers advanced but failed to pass a bill to legalize marijuana this legislative session. The final text of the medical cannabis proposal states that patients could purchase and possess up to four ounces of flour and 20 grams of medical marijuana-derived products in a 30-day period. How are they going to know? People with any more, any of or more of the a dozen qualifying conditions include cancer, glaucoma, HIV, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's disease, and dementia. Would also be able to cultivate up to eight mature plants for personal use. Nice. Yeah. And I'll tell you how they were going to know. Huh. Track and trace. So they know how much oh, you buy. And right. so like your card. And so like you're matched. And so you can't. Or they should not allow you to go over your limits. If they set up an entrapment situation where they allow you to go over your limits, why did you just allow them to do that? Why didn't you just say, I'm sorry, you're at your limit. You've bought two and a half ounces this two weeks. If you need more, talk to your doctor to get clearance. You know, what's funny though, you know, the fact you point that out is like the libertarian thing. Uh, Isn't that like the anti-libertarian thing to have these checks and balances as far as like you knowing how much I purchase? Like that's one of the things here in Washington was uh, we have patients. You can be a patient. You can grow up to six plants or you can be a patient who grew up to 15 if you're on the registry. Like the concept of registry is it's, you know, violates your almost your, 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 your personal information, but the same token that allows you to grow more plants, but right. But then that's just a licensing scheme. And so if somebody needs to be responsible for something, you know, and and as a result of that, there's going to be some standards and processes that you have to comply with if you want to do that activity. So if you want to go from an eight to a 15 to whatever, why shouldn't you be licensed so that the state can regulate and track? Because when you're growing that much, what are you doing with it? You know, you're probably doing something more commercial than personal. I just hope if they I hope they legalize it because then I can go back to Wyoming. I have a bench warrant out there for weed. That would be pretty sweet. Miggy goes back to Wyoming. (laughs) And then we just cut to one of those. I I did. I don't have enough time to, like, do uh, videos anymore. I'll, I'll try. But, you know, one thing at a time. And so I did buy like this, uh, I think it's called Storyblocks. And so Storyblocks are all these uh, stock videos. And, and that would be hilarious. You know, Miggy goes back to Wyoming and we just do a cut where it's uh, the, the prison door is sliding closed. And then, you know. Well, and, and I don't highly, and that's why I'm surprised about Wyoming too, because when I got pulled over, I was going uh, uh, early morning, uh, doing the speed limit, maybe five miles and over on cruise control. And uh, uh, the cop, that uh, the state trooper saw me and I passed a bunch of like, roadblock about to be uh he pulled up behind me pulled up to the side of me saw me and at the time the beard was longer too 
then he pulled about back behind me and pulled me over. And uh, I just got done smoking probably like within like 20 minutes before that. I had a little bit of shake in the console. And then uh, he looked in and goes, oh, marijuana. What's the deal with the title? What title? Oh, oh you see, Biden. this is a long form cannabis news uh, show and you're 50 minutes into it. But uh, just to recap, the, the title story had to do with the Biden administration saying that they were going to pardon people and then uh, not. And just saying you have to go back to prison now. It was uh, the least uplifting story. So we moved on to the next one. Yeah, I mean, it truly is disheartening to hear that they're even considering sending uh, nonviolent offenders back in. Like, like why? But yeah, yeah. What's the point of doing that? That that sounds like a supreme waste of government funds. Yeah. I think, but yeah. And then, uh, how about your neck of the woods there with the new cannabis licensee in Illinois faced David versus Goliath fight against industry giants? Is that what's next? Because I thought we had a stock one after. Oh, I see. Oh, I skipped it. Shit. Skip the stock one. We got a bumper for stocks. Welcome to the business aspect of this story. Canopy execs earn raises bonuses after cannabis giant loses $1.7 billion in Canadian dollars. Uh, and so executive uh, for Canopy Growth received more than $4 million Canadian dollars or $3.2 million in cash bonuses after making solid progress in the year. According to a regulatory filing, as the company lost $1.7 billion Canadian, but don't worry, that's only like 70% that in American dollars, uh, and laid off hundreds of workers. So the executive's compensation package consists of salary as well as bonuses awarded as part of the company's short and long-term incentive plan. Plans. For fiscal 2021, which ended in March 31st, the board approved short-term incentive plan bonuses totaling $4 million for five. Canada's $4 million for five of the company's top executives. Wow. So that's uh, 20 Canadian dollars. $20 yep. million. The yep. company's low. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I just say one day canopy growth will be gobbled up uh, piecemeal as all of its components are bought by American manufacturers. And, and, and then eventually it'll just be completely broke. But whatever, uh, you know, th- these things take time. Uh, and so the company uses four performance me- measures to related to corporate objectives to help guide short term bonus payouts where exen- executives earn an annual cash bonus. So they look at free cash flow, net revenue and adjusted EBITDA. How uh, you know what it is? They voted themselves those bonuses before everything just got way under. <laughs> They're like, "Oh shit! How much did we lose? We better get how much yep. we got left." Oh uh, yeah, but according to the statement, they they wanted a revenue of four hundred fifty-five million. Uh, but uh, yes, that's that's why that's why Seth Rogen got out. But came in at four hundred fourteen million. However, their free cash flow was only negative four hundred seventy-eight million, or half the shortfall the company anticipated. You see, isn't this the way to run a business? You raise a whole bunch of money from investors, and then you slowly lose it over time because you can't sell anything. You can't sell weed. You're so bad at business. Uh, But you've sold a lot of weed on paper and taken a lot of investors' money, uh, and then you're just losing it. It's great. I just want to be like, dear rich people, send me your freaking money. I'll I'll freaking throw it away for you. Just just send it to me. You know, Mickey, maybe you need to have an offering. I, I will. Uh, you know, let's, let's get you a PPM. And then the people in your network can say like, well, I am launching MiggyCo. And MiggyCo is going to be one of the chief exporters of Miggy, uh, especially the Miggy 420 brand uh, on the planet. And so if you would like to invest, here's our prospectus. Hey, man, these people be throwing money at like it's, it's a boat, you know, just like a hole in the boat. Just keep throwing at it. But, you know, I probably could flip it better than 
half these men men types are but uh but you have to understand sometimes the flip is just taken and so the flip that was the flip they got the three million dollars damn like i bet you i am such a schmuck i can make three million dollars and lose a half a billion of that guy's money you're on I can't be mad, dude. And I, I now you put it that way. I have to consider these guys to like, like that's that you guys are. You know what? Whatever. Fuck rich yep. people. Good on you for getting that money. <laughs> we should we should make sure we order some psychological tests and maybe some MRIs on these rich people just to see what's going on up there. Uh, <laughs> turning to uh, rich other rich people news: new cannabis licensees in Illinois face David versus Goliath fight against industry giants, according to the Chicago Tribune. As Illinois begins toward to award much delayed cannabis business licenses, the new business owners will face a long uphill climb. They'll be pitting mom and pop startups against giant companies that have had a five year head start to take control of the market. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But how well have they been doing, though? I mean, you're a consumer. You're the person you live out there. GTI's got a shitty name already. What about these other uh, companies? Uh, I'd say that uh, the market demographics of Illinois cannabis is at least two-thirds black or gray market. Uh, So like illicit or or gray. And so just using the shades for that purpose alone. Right. at least. And so like I just grow home grow. I mean, I just use home grow. And then I will buy weed sometimes as a novelty, basically, you know, just to see how they're doing and uh, and to be like, wow, that was expensive. Yeah. Well, how's the quality, though? I mean, it's expensive, but is it also no. decent? No, no, no. Um, this uh, artisan Dutchberry that fell from just like a, a hole in the space time continuum opened from Seattle and it just appeared in Illinois. That is way better. And it was $37 out the gate, guys. $37 total after all the taxes baked into that cake out the door. Um, and it's better. Like the smell profile is better. It's not lying. To, well, I think it's not lying to me about its THC content. It only yeah. says 23%. Uh, it Wonderful flavor. Uh, decent effects. So that is uh Wow. Yeah, you guys definitely need a, a long catching up. So entry-level entrepreneurs will have, in many cases, one dispensary to keep, compete with companies that control up to 10 stores across the state. Now, are they vertical-owned? Is that how that works? Grow uh, many of the operators that are currently in Illinois are vertically-owned, and they're maxed out. And so, like, a Cresco is maxed out in Illinois with uh, 10 dispensaries and uh, several of the cultivation licenses. I think Cresco has, like, 221,000 times two. So like 442,000 square foot of flowering canopy that it could make, which is thousands and tens of thousands of pounds. And so as Cresco is just sitting there spinning, spinning oil, because like they can't sell all their flour. uh, Wow. And so like the that's one of the reasons why when I have my uh, growers that one, I'm saying maybe we should look at what Sitka hat and like the Seattle Bubble Works are doing. What are these smaller producers doing? Well, they're offering something different. And uh, the, the the hash joint, those nine-pound hammer hash joints, fantastic. Uh, so you could buy one of those in, in Washington State for 13 bucks. It's a whole gram. 
And again, uh, maybe if we don't show the prices and we just talk about the industry yeah. like this, well, we're going to wake up tomorrow and this one will be flagged and we'll be like, well, at least 2000 people got to see it before it was buried. Uh, <laughs> but the, uh, the the hash joints that we got over there were an amazing price point, higher quality than what you have here. And so if you had such a product uh, to offer uh, and then not only that, everybody who won is social equity. So we need to get like a social equity made stamp. Uh, and then there's the locality because there's a lot of public private uh, partnerships between the community that where these suckers were awarded and the brands that will come thereafter. I mean, wouldn't it be great if you your your craft grow 2000 to depending on how many canopy space you have, uh, let's say five, six thousand pounds uh, on the high end after you've been fully canopy. Maybe you can sell all 6,000 pounds in 100 miles, you know? Yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? I think you guys might be coming up, provided you can have good first grows and everything. You might be coming up to the age of the craft grow where the consumer will be like, all right, I'd rather spend whatever your average price is on the small guy um, versus the the big creepy guy, you know? So hope the consumer is going to have to decide again, the market, no matter what at the end, right? Right. But, you know, the Roger will get in a lab with some of the winners and they'll, they'll create some great strains and we'll market them. And um, that's kind of how it works. Yeah, I'll be fun, dude. Yeah. I'm excited for your adventure in the, uh, the cannabis space out there. Well, it's going to be really interesting as the eastern seaboard lights up, uh, something that's kind of s- slipping out of uh, New Jersey future news. In New Jersey future news, uh, it, it looks like they may be blowing a deadline in three weeks. Uh, and so we might get an idea and a glimpse of some rules on the 21st of August, but we also may get some winners in New Jersey medical cannabis licenses in August and then uh, election in November. But and it's slowly moving forward. You have to really see what the state wants. And, and you know, a little word of advice to all these starter uppers and all the states that are just starting, even Oklahoma, especially Oklahoma, because you're going to have people making a lot of money and they're doing they're doing shortcuts, whether it be the the, how, the codes, building codes, or location. But save that money and reinvest in your company to build to a higher standard, because eventually one. Federal, federal legalization comes or your state does recreational legalization, the codes are going to come down hard and they're going to come down every way. And because there is already a way for the most part to do things, you know, the, the other part, like the, the legal, the, 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 the legislation, that's, that's going to be the, the gray area. Yeah. Legislation and rulemaking, they take time. So tomorrow the Cannabis Administration and Opportunity Act passes and everybody goes like, well, we did it. We legalized weed. And then there's a big cloud of smoke and then regulations start to happen. And that's when like NJ Weedman's going to make another five million dollars because it's be like you realize we got five years before anybody knows what they're doing. Right. Yep. Seriously. Yep. And, and that's it. You just got to be able to take that stance. And, and I'm, I never did because I've already been focused on my main uh, goal, which was it's been the uh, the metrology position of work. You know, my my, my skill set is I know my skill set and it's not going to be growing to, to, to pay the bills come tomorrow. You know, I have to learn to grow just because I smoke a lot of weed doesn't grow. 
You know it. Just because you smoke it doesn't mean you grow it. Yeah, man. But the Illinois thing is going to be real fun. And so hopefully these Illinois operators can go out there and raise some money with some Main Street businesses, middle market businesses. It's a business and family ownership of that business between two and $50 million. Uh, those people can finally get into the game because now they've pointed at the uh, social equity all veterans so far that have been awarded licenses and they know who they need to bring into the team. Yeah. So with this, uh, are there any pushbacks from the Goliaths? Is there any, uh, lawsuits pending? No, no, no. The lawsuits are all from the startups and, uh, they don't really like the operators that are there. They don't really need the lawsuits. They have complete and absolute hegemony. 77% of legal weed in March in Illinois was produced by just six companies, Verano, Cresco, Green Thumb Industries, Ascend Holding, Pharmacan, and Revolution. Damn. Yep. Well, even looking at the uh, so the State Department of Agriculture awarded the permits, but it has kept secret who the winners are and what their scores are. Where officials said only that two thirds of the owners are black or Latino. All the majority veteran owned. One answer question is whether the winners are in state investors or out of state MSOs. That's interesting, man. Oh, there's a hodgepodge, I'm sure. But it looked like the vast majority of them were the 51% ownership social equity veterans that tended to be minorities. Uh, And so, um, you know, Illinois said they were going to bring social equity. And I think they can say that they delivered it. And those were the top scoring applicants. Guys dumped a lot of money. Craft applicants already have invested about a hundred million and one million hours into the industry, according to a survey by the association. They plan to invest another five hundred million in the next eight months to so they can build and get underway. Jeez Louise. Jeez Louise, it is. And uh it's just kind of what happens, man. It's it's just kind of what happens when the industry is on and I don't necessarily disagree with it. And like, you know, one of these days I should get around to doing a, an expository um, paragraph about about why a limited market over time may be a fairly decent way to uh, introduce cannabis legalization into your state. And one of the reasons why maybe we are three, four years away from federal legalization, because the infrastructure hasn't been built up in states, even like New York, New Jersey, as their medical programs weren't all that great. They weren't as big as like Florida's. Florida's medical program is huge, for example. Well, especially New York, because, you know, New York's the gateway to like most of the, you know, uh, uh international uh you know their international airport as right. far as like international travelers go god and tourism or whatever so new york is the first impression that most of these people get and you know that, that's why america exported prohibition so well because they came here with all the fear mongering go oh well they're doing it we got no, man, LaGuardia was always like you know because there was a lot of jazz music music in uh, New York and so there's a lot of reefermen uh, walking around and, and having a wonderful t- swinging time but uh, LaGuardia Mayor LaGuardia in the 40s he studied that was some of the first studies like oh let's make it illegal and then we'll do the studies and he's like okay let's study it and he's so since like you know, the LaGuardia report and whatever freaking year that was 19 hey can we get a bumper from those moments in weed history while I try to find a LaGuardia report. (laughs) 
All right, I got it right here, and I'm going to be passing the data on over to Lauren and maybe even to the folks at home. Here is the synopsis of the 1944 findings of the LaGuardia Report. And so in 1944, the New York Academy of Medicine issued an extensively researched report declaring that, contrary to earlier research and popular belief, use of marijuana did not induce violence, insanity, or sex crime, or lead to addiction or other drug use. Marijuana is used exclusively, I'm sorry, extensively in the borough of Manhattan, but the problem is not as acute as it is reported to be in other sections of the United States. That's so funny that there's that. And then I have a book that I've been reading. It's a little tiny pamphlet, but from 1950, it had to do with a psychological report of the cannabis consumer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this psychologist was just, and he helped, was on part of the normal, created normal, but uh, his findings were the cannabis consumer learns about cannabis from another consumer and that's how you it's how the community develops right it's not like heroin where you're like oh i'm hooked like this is something i need right away it's like you have to learn how to be high you have to learn what the experience is well you can feel the the pangs of addiction i mean like anybody who's gotten a few cigarettes in them might then be like hey why do i want another one of those they were terrible and there you go now you've seen what an addiction is with weed i'm like man that was great and then three days will go by, I'll be like, oh, I could go for that again. Yeah. That's not addiction. That's that's more along the lines of cheesecake. It's like, oh, I love that. Well, I uh, haven't had that in a while. Oh, my God. Let's have some of that. Yeah, no, I, I like not that even. analogy. Like cheesecake, you know, you're getting coronaries and fat. And, you know, like if cheesecake was good for you. <laughs> Cannabis is like a fluffy blanket that you just want to have on you in a cold winter day or a nice fresh water on a hot day. <laughs> It, it helps. It does. And uh, it's been helping me. Um, it's It's been paying the for the bills for a bit until all this, you know, if this doesn't work out, I guess I could always sell insurance. If this doesn't work out, I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Hey, we got one last story you want to go over? Oh, international news. Let's hit it. All right. Cannabis social clubs in Barcelona are about to get shut down, possibly for good, Mary Jane. Oh, wow. no. Barcelona, home to nearly 200 cannabis clubs, make it one of the hottest global pot spots of the past half decade. But the clubs are facing a mass shutdown after the Supreme Court amended the legal loophole, one that allowed them to proliferate in the first place. The associations, uh, as, they're, as they're commonly known, have faced a series of setbacks since they opened in 2017. But this is a whole new hurdle that might have caused them to shudder for good or to, at least a foreseeable future. Wow. You know, Barcelona, Spain has had a long history of cannabis. I wonder mm -hmm. who's not getting paid. I don't know. But back in 17, the court overruled a law passed by the Catalan parliament because they speak their own language, or at least they allege they speak their own language in Barcelona. It's just, in my opinion, a dialect of Spanish. But, you know, please leave all your hate mail in the comments. Uh, the facilities were protected under the Barcelona city bylaw or in a law established by a community to essentially govern itself that regulated their existence. That's why they were the asociaciones uh, or like the associations. And so they would create a club and that club would have rules. And and everybody's always said, isn't there this loophole? That's the Barcelona loophole. And so uh, that bylaw, however, was just overturned. So the, the judges declared that the city authorities were not competent 
to legislate on matters governed by the state. So your municipality, maybe they don't have what they call in America home rule. And so in that instance, uh, the municipality can do something unless it does go in contradiction with the state. Uh, maybe similar uh, here, but there was 140 of them uh, in Catalonia, but most of them were in Barcelona. Despite the city's support of the Associated quasi-legal status, officials just informed the clubs that the new ruling officially outlaws sales, consumption, and promotion of the plant. Wow. Yep. This That's kind of how we've been doing things here in Washington, too, at least in the early days. You know, we have a club. We're a private, you know, you're part of a private party. You paid five bucks to come in. You're, you're with us. You know, you voluntarily came. I didn't throw this marijuana in your mouth, you know, but uh, yep. Yep. But now they have to be inspected by the city to make sure they're not breaking the law. And the first door fronts are subject to city examiners, the ones with the most negative impacts that are geared toward tourists and massive sales. But they are private clubs. They have a membership fee, wink, wink, of uh, about 10 euro, which is about 12 bucks. And then uh, these clubs have moved away from the style of business in favor of the dispensary model. So as opposed to like shopping and coming in, paying 10 bucks and then, oh, you smoke some weed and lead. Now you come in, you pay 10 bucks and then you get an eighth and leave that's crazy dude uh that see recently however many clubs have moved oh yeah you already did that it's mm-hmm. rumored eastern european and other mafias are in control of the cultivation sites supplying the clubs if that's true then some of the camp association are essentially fronts for mafia drug money i you know i, I hate these terms of like drug mafia like you're still talking about citizens of your country. You're talking about people who, like, I mean, what is the mafia? Are, are they just cannabis consumers, or are they actually, like, doing everything? Like, are they, you know, sex trafficking and, uh, you know, other drugs as well, or is it just cannabis? Because sometimes it's just cannabis. Yeah, but uh, I think it's high time that organized crime not include cannabis. Uh, I don't care what country you're in. That is a legitimate industry, and it's it's, it's not hurting nobody. And so, like, you know, with organized crime, it's usually you're doing uh, you're doing the stuff you shouldn't be doing and you know you're doing it, but you're doing it anyway. But if it was legal, they wouldn't be doing it because they'd have to go through all the freaking regulations that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what I mean, this is why things mafias or uh, people who are willing to uh, break the law, for lack of a better uh, expression, um, that's why cannabis is it's a it's with the guns and the violence and and the money it's why it's, it, it pulls so much money in when it's prohibition when you have it legal and then i have file an application to be a part of the goddamn industry then i have to go get loans and then get a building plan and then get a team it's no fun no more i just want to buy a qp and sell it <laughs> yeah i just wanted to feel cool i was trying to be uh, you know dangerous an outlaw a rebel no, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, you you need a pocket protector for this position, and there's going to be a lot of math. What? I, I mean, it's it's different carrying one day like now if I carried a pound to New York versus ten years from now when it's legal, and I probably have to fill out forms in each fucking state because I got. Yeah, but I, you know, I just got back from Wisconsin, and so in that instance. I would buy some beer in Wisconsin and then bring it into Illinois because the distributors are different. And so Wisconsin has a lot of little breweries that they don't ship outside of the state. It's a souvenir beer. But maybe in that instance, I'm coming back from California. I got a lot of souvenir weed, man. Um, And so like I... I, I hope I would be able to bring my suitcase full of delicious, delicious mixed light or outdoor sun grown uh, Mendo weed uh, back home. But 
that's the dream. That's why we're here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Feeling it. All right. That's going to do it for Cannabis Legalization News, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you like and subscribe to keep up with all Cannabis Legalization News. We'll see you on Sunday.